Let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. Could have uh, prepared a just a detailed message for men, as I did somewhat for the teenagers. I sort of went that way. But when I look at Isaiah 42, this is what we should be, isn't it, men? Servants. We go. I could think of a lot of things as as fathers, as grandfathers, and as men that we should be servants in and when we learn to serve our families then you have opportunity to 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 minister to them to show and share the word with them and affect their lives and praise god for our for children not children adults now (laughs) and all the grandchildren and it's just a real privilege to be able to have them in the church all of them i think they're all your your children are all here too it's it's just great <laughs> to minister alongside with them and uh, be a servant to them. Be a servant to your family. You'll get their ear, you get their attention, and they will serve with you, come alongside you. And it's good to see that happening in the church here. Uh, Kendall up here, he's um, giving his dad a shot. Come on, get over. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> but. Uh, to take on the convictions and the word of God. But we're looking at the servant this morning, the Lord himself, Isaiah 42. Uh, <clears throat> we know in the Bible it tells us the Lord came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so if we want to know what a true servant is, who do we look to? <laughs> the Lord himself. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is the servant of Jehovah. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment in truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the coast, the isles, shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord, uh, God, the Lord, he who created heavens and stretcheth them out, he who spreadeth forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he who giveth breath unto all people upon it and spirit to them that walk in it. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and I will hold thine hand and I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light to the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house wonderful portion concerning the servant Messiah that we have here let us pray thank you Lord that you have set the example for us as men to be servants to minister unto and see the fruit that comes from that. Thank you for the opportunity of life 
for the opportunity of being children, teenagers, young adults, husbands and grandfathers. Lord, it is a privilege that we as leaders, as you've assigned it, can share the wonderful truth through experience to all those under our care. Bless now as we consider your word and your servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's first of all notice of this servant, his selection of God. As it reads in the first few verses there, <clears throat> Behold my servant, whom I have, whom I uphold, mine elect. And so, the servant, my servant. This is what the Lord Jesus did when he came to earth, was it not? He was selected of God. Let's turn to the Gospel of John chapter 13 and love this portion of scripture in the Gospel of John 13. Verse 2 and following. <clears throat> and supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. So it, it, here, he's the servant. It, this, is what I'm, this is what I've been sent for and that he was come from God and went to God. I've titled that from glory to glory, and I use it in the Lord's table. From glory to glory, from when he come to when he went. He came to serve. And this is what this passage is about. He was come from God, went to God. He rises from, from supper and laid his garments aside, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was good. And we know the story there, or the, what happened, and how Peter objected. And he wanted a, a whole wash while he had already been washed. He just needed a daily cleansing from the defilement of, the, of moving around in this wicked world. And then verse 13 is where we're headed. And ye call me Master and Lord. Ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Is that not the opposite to what the world thinks? <laughs> I will be happy if I am in charge. What does the Lord say? I will be happy if I am serving. We need to learn that and learn it young. And when you learn that young and you serve other people and minister to their needs, whether it be the family or whoever you are, wherever you are working, you learn the principle from God's word of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He served. My servant, as Isaiah said. Now, in this portion of scripture, I preached it before, the three sermons. That's the trouble with me. I'm trying to cover three sermons in one and rushing over it. And I'd rather, I am the slow one verse man at a time. I was told the other day, <clears throat> from a long way away from home, it was Queensland, 
you're right, you're okay. <laughs> it wasn't from there. That, oh, he's been in Revelation for five years. Wait a minute, I haven't been in Revelation for five years. My, unless I'm losing my memory, I started in January. <laughs> and I've been in the local church for four years, three years before that. But I don't think they like the, the application of the churches there. <laughs> wow, what a powerful message. And verse at a time, verse at a time. But looking at, at this, my servant, what wonderful thoughts we could take home about the servant. And Philippians 2, if you haven't memorised it, memorise at least the first half of that portion of scripture about the servant. Selected of God, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Peter 1. Verse 18. We read there, For as much as ye know you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Mine elect, foreordained before the foundation of the world. Have you ever wondered why the devil, who was the highest angel created, rebelled like he did? I know, yes, pride and all that, and it mentions there. Wonder if he got a whisper about mankind, who would one day rule the angels. I just a thought, and I, I hate thinking too hard but and he said I'm not going to have this I'm going to kick I'm going to charge in now and take control just a thought <laughs> but from the foundation of the world here the Lord was chosen as the servant God the Father knew that he would be a true servant and set the example for all to follow mine elect in whom my soul delighteth just over in chapter 2 of 1 Peter and verse 3 to 5 if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. There it tells us again, he is chosen of God. He's elected, selected, the one that God the Father was going to use to, do the, to bring about the great plan of salvation. All the ramifications of it. God knew from the beginning, doesn't he? He knew every thought, he knew every action, he knew everything of everybody and every being before it happened. But he still went ahead with what he did. And we're, we're I think, at the other end of it, the plan being fulfilled, are we not? And we can say, thank the Lord that I came into existence, that he allowed me to come into existence, to hear the plan of salvation, and to receive the Lord as my saviour. And we ought to bow in humble reverence and thanks for that. Going back to Isaiah 42. Behold my servant in whom I uphold. Remember in the prayer in the garden there. The, the Lord Jesus prayed earnestly to his father. To strengthen him. Let thy will be done not mine. I've put my spirit upon him. And so 
He's not only the servant, the selected servant, but he is the spirit-controlled servant, as we find here. And that makes us think of the references to the seven spirits of God. If you go back to chapter 11 of Isaiah and verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Who is that? If you know your scriptures, who is it speaking of? The Lord Jesus. A rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. It's tied with the word Nazareth. And the, and the spirit of the Lord shall come upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I have put my spirit upon him, said Isaiah. And this is depicted there in Isaiah 11 where the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel. And when you see the Lord Jesus Christ in action when he was on earth and before those religious leaders and he knew their thoughts, he knew where they were going, he was able to combat what they were about to say before they said it and he was able... And people just marvelled, where did he get this wisdom? How did he understand this? Why? Because the Spirit of God was upon him. Men, do we want the Spirit of God to be upon us in our ministry, in our life, and our families? Oh, I wish that we'd cry out and say, yes, I want, I desire the Spirit of God to control me, to do that which is pleasing to God. The old flesh gets in the way, doesn't it? Romans 7 comes into action <laughs> Ah, when I would do good, evil is present with me. <laughs> ah, that we might yield to the Spirit as he speaks. How often do we grieve the Spirit of God? How often do we quench the Spirit of God? Did the Lord Jesus do that at all? Not ever once. <laughs> That's why his ministry was what it was. So powerful, so wonderful, so effective. I mean, I've been ministering for 40 years, almost there, at, down at Lavington. The Lord Jesus ministered for what? Three years. And he trained 12 men that turned the world upside down. Or the right side up, they say. That's what he did. And he did it through the indwelling spirit of God, through the power of God. Yes, he was the son of God, we know that. But he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now this verse, or this reference to the Spirit is quoted over in Matthew uh, 3.17, 17.5. And lower voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> the Father said that of him. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get to heaven and say, He said, well done thou, good and faithful, what? Servant. Servant. So underlined the word servant. The all-sufficient servant of Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And behold, a voice came from heaven in 17.5 of Matthew out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased at the transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. You know when your children do something really good and, you know, it was well done and you feel a bit of what? Pride. Come on, say it. <laughs> and you say, that's my son. That's my daughter. 
<laughs> Does God say that of us? <laughs> That's my son. Look at him ministering down there. Look at him being a true servant of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, heaven's going to reveal a lot of secrets, isn't it? When we get there. Of why we did what we did and how we did it. So we see his selection of God, the servant, the selected one, the spirit-controlled one. We, second, we see secondly in verse 2 of Isaiah 42, the servant's service to man. He shall not cry nor lift up his, his uh, nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. What does that mean? Let's say he was not some wild-eyed, shrieking, noisy warrior, but a gentle conqueror. That's what it means. If you would say, so, today, today, who are those that are wild-eyed, that cry and lift up their voice and want to be heard in the street, in church, well, Christendom circles? Who would you say? This goes out, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Charismatics. Wild-eyed. He wasn't like that. He, he was... I don't like to refer to the Lord irreverently, but cool, calm and collected in his ministry. He didn't have to yell and scream. He didn't have to rant and rave. There was people in Mount Beauty up where Pastor Hine ministers there the charismatic people, and they hired the local hall and somebody was looking in, what's going on in there? And the unsafe person looked in and they were rolling down the aisles, women, rolling down the aisles. And they said, they said they're mad. True. That's true. But the Lord was not like that. He drew people to himself as he served his father. His words, the way he spoke them, the conviction with which he spoke them, the, the wisdom with which he put them together. People were just drawn like, like a magnet to, to him and his words and his ministry. His service to man. He would not scream in the streets, I put down for the sake of an outline. <clears throat> At times, yes, he became angry. And when he confronted the religious leaders head on, twice he went into the temple and turned the place upside down. But it was in righteous indignation of what they were doing and how they were so irreverent and how they were using the place of a place of merchandise instead of a place of worship. Who was the chap in the Old Testament? That when they came there, he, 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 he threw out all the stuff out of the temple. <laughs> what was his name? Nehemiah, that's right. Threw it out. And I thought, yep, <laughs> throw it out. The Lord, I think of the ministry there. Yes, he didn't have to perform like a madman to get attention, to attract people to himself. His godly character drew people to himself. In John 12, 32, we read, And if I be lifted up I will, from the earth, I will draw men unto myself. And before he was lifted up, he drew men to himself. People were drawn. <laughs> can you imagine being one of the religious leaders, one of the Sanhedrin of that day? You can see why Paul was so, Saul was so mad. <laughs> before he become a Christian, this man comes on the scene from Nazareth, unknown town, and gets thousands of people following him and we can't get a synagogue a third full. You get a bit envious, wouldn't you? I mean, in the natural man, and they were natural men, they weren't saved people. And that's, 
they, they were saying, how can he do this? It's not right that he do this. We should have the crowds, not him. And we have to be careful about the crowd thing too, don't we? <laughs> you get a crowd, but they might be all unsaved, but not the Lord. They were listening to his, what he said. They were <laughs> interested. These new things that they were hearing. We were just covering um, Matthew and we in, in a, just finishing 11 into 10 and, and John, John the Baptist there when he's, he was in prison and he sent and said to the Lord, are you he or do we look for another person? Is there somebody else? Because in his mind, the kingdom was going to be established now. He, he was out there preaching, you know, this is the king. <laughs> There's the king, he's come. Now the kingdom's going to be established and, and he was seeing it, things starting to go downhill. People, the Sanhedrin, everyone, the religious leaders not listening. And in chapter 13 of Matthew, you have where the Lord starts giving the mystery of the kingdom of heaven parables. Well, the kingdom has been, both the king has been rejected. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit in chapter 12 of Matthew, and then in chapter 13, he's giving the mystery. And then the first one he starts with the parables is the seed and the sower, gospel preaching. He's gone from what he was preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to preaching, as it were, the gospel that we preach today. Sow the seed. Grow the seed, plant the seed. But the great, the Lord knew he was right on track, right on time, ministering. But he wasn't going to be ministering as a crazy person in the street. Verse 3, back in Isaiah 42. He shall not cry nor lift up his, or cause his voice to be heard in the street. He, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment to the earth. Now, I think I'm not going to try to rush it. When I rush it, I miss it too much. <laughs> but think of this for a minute. A bruised reed shall he not break. Smoking flax he shall not quench. What does it mean? What is it, what is it saying here? He would not break a bruised reed. This he demonstrated on many occasions when he ministered to broken reeds. Now, he didn't go down to the lake and talk to the reeds. I was digging a dam out there earlier this year with my brother, and it was full of reeds. It had been full of water. We drained it, and it was full of reeds and mud, about that thick. And my brother was lifting out the excavator, and I was pushing up into a heap about 3,000 cubic metres of it. All the reeds, were they were certainly bruised when we finished with them. <laughs> and bent and broken, twisted and mushed into the mud that they were going to use on the farm later to, to grow, grow trees and things. But reeds, are there, they're not real strong things, are they? They just You can snap them easily with your hand. The Lord Jesus ministered to many bruised reeds. Many bruised reeds. Think of some of the people that he ministered to. The woman at the well. Was she a bruised reed? Was her life bruised and battered from life and the experiences of life? You go and call your husband. The Lord knew where to put his finger on, didn't he? Oh no, you've had five husbands and the one you've got is not your husband. Oh, you know. But he was, minister he was drawing her out and ministering to her need. He was being a servant to her. The the son of God, the, the creator of the universe, stop talking to a Samaritan woman at a well. Marvellous, isn't it? 
that a bruised reed he would not break, but minister to them. Have you found some bruised reeds in your ministry and life? People that have really messed their life up. There's one fellow who uh, <coughs> used to drive a school bus, a Christian school bus, a big 40 seater thing, and crunchy gearbox, whatever you call those, crash gearboxes. Uh, <laughs> and to school, and drive, go out and work at the tip and squash it and mush it all up and push it in and cover it up for the week at Jack and Danda. And then I went out to quote on a job with this fella and was sitting on a log out there at Yakindanda halfway to Myrtleford and we just started talking about things and we talked the whole afternoon away. I mean, I was going to be late for taking the kids home when I got back. And he was a bruised reed. He said, I understand what you're saying. His name was Sam. I understand what you're saying. He said, but I am too bad to be saved. I said, you're just the person that knows they're bad, that needs to get saved, you're there. And that same person, different ones in our church, met on different occasions at different places, and he said the same thing to them. I'm too bad to become a Christian. Go and tell someone else. He'd been in prison. He didn't tell me what had happened, what he'd done. But he just felt so, so guilty. He was a Bruce Reed. And the Lord Jesus ministered to those, didn't he? He was accused of being a friend of sinners. Eating with publicans. Doing things as a servant should do. The all-sufficient servant, the Lord Jesus. A bruised reed shall he not break. Zacchaeus. <laughs> and he stopped under the tree. Today I must abide at thy house. And he went home with that Zacchaeus and all Zacchaeus' friends and the and the religious leader said, ah, what? We've got another one on him. <laughs> Look at his gone to bed. Doesn't he know who he is? I mean, you don't associate with those sort of people. Yeah, they're the ones that are in need. They're the ones that realise they're lost. They're the ones that realise, uh, that, that are open to the truth. And we think they're so far from it. I was talking in an old people's home the other day and... I was talking about the tattoo thing and, you know, the, everywhere you go. Who said that the other day? The tattoo's all over them. Brother Robert. Yeah. You, know, you get scared when you, when you walk in somewhere. But when you see a lady with tattoos, that just... Oh. I was talking like this about... And this old chap come up to me and said, Preacher, he said, I was in a situation, a tight situation. I was in a bus and I really needed to sit down. He's an older person. And he said, they're all just sitting there. You know how you get into the bus and all sit there? I went to Melbourne and I got to try to get on a tram. I didn't know how to use the stuff and I was trying to pump money into the thing and it wouldn't take me money. And, he said, and this fellow with tattoos and long hair and dreadlocks or whatever he had, he came up and said, sir, I can help you. Wow, you know, all these other well-to-do people weren't going to help. And the, same, the, ma the older man said, there's a fellow there, he's, he just you know, looked like the pits. <laughs> he got up out of his seat and said, sir, would you sit down? So, yeah. A bruised reed. We don't know. Sometimes then people are the responsive ones, the ones that will listen. And great transformation can happen, can't it, in those people's lives. <clears throat> Being a servant as the Lord was, the best and example of all servants, he was able to minister to these people. 
getting our hands dirty in the ministry of the Lord is going to the... Now, you don't go to that place for fellowship. Not like some of you. Oh, well, I'm going down to the, the club or to the pub or whatever to minister the gospel. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> There's plenty of other places that you can go to minister to those same people at a different time, a different place. The next phrase in this is, A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. A smoking flax shall he not quench. This he demonstrated by re <coughs> releasing an army of evil spirits which had almost snuffed out the light of sanity from the maniac of Gadaria in Mark chapter 5. I remember being on the west side of the Sea of Galilee and as you go along there, there's only one place where there's a steep slope that goes down into the Sea of Galilee. And there's a little sign on the left-hand side of the road, a little bit of a dugout. It's sort of going through a cutting and there's a little sign. This is where it happened, you know. The, the mirror, this, this happened and the swine rang down the steep slope and went over there and there's a bit of barbed wire hanging off a fence and it's got a sign that's all on an angle, don't walk here, mines. <laughs> and I thought, like, well, okay, we won't go down where the swine went. <laughs> but <coughs> I'm thinking... A smoking flax. This man was a smoking flax. His life was almost snuffed out. Really, possessed of all these demonic beings. But the Lord spent the time. What a transformation. Sitting and clothed and in his right mind. This is what happens when you're a servant. People, people's lives get changed. Turned around for eternity. And the Lord Jesus ministered to these, these sort of people. I think it behoves us that we need to humble ourselves, as the Bible tells us, and be and have a servant's heart. It works. Contrary to all with the, 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 the teachings of the world today, it works, being a servant. It seems to, seems to be contradictory. You know, you've got to step on the fellow's head in, that's below you so you can get up above him in business no be a servant be a servant and a quenching we would not quench this smoking flax it's like you, you, if you're burning an old, a reed like that and it's, it's dead and it's burning but it, it smoulders it just smoulders slowly down and so many people's lives in this world are just like that burning down there's no glow to it there's no sanity in life but when the Lord Jesus comes in they're the ones that have a testimony and say, look how he changed me. We can thank the Lord for our testimonies as well. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Bend or break. Bend or break. I was reading a bit and I quote here from Psalm 29 verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. He's talking about the cedars of Lebanon, which are probably seeded just after the flood because they say they're about 3,500 years old. And they say if you go there, there's ones that are all twisted, turned and broken. There's others that are still standing. And uh, a, a, a hole, about 100 feet tall, they say. And that's what it was referring to in Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. And in context, you could read it. But a bruised reed he shall not break. And I quote, Note the word, yea. 
Even such mighty Caesars as those in Lebanon find no escape. And why? They do not bend. They stand, gripping the earth firmly, lifting up their proud heads haughtily to the skies as if defying the living God. For this the cedar trees are not to blame, but not so man, men and women. Do you think it is a light thing to live a life in defiance of God? To listen to, listen to this parable. The reed advised the cedar to bow to the coming storm. But the cedar haughtily scorned the advice. So the mighty wind flouted it, broke it, blasted it, tore it up by the roots and tossed it aside in its anger whilst it passed over the weak bending reed unharmingly. <laughs> Remember, there is, in, there is the world of difference between being humbled and being humiliated. They who humble themselves shall be exalted, but they who refuse to humble themselves shall most certainly be humili humiliated. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. Let's bend as servants like the reed to the storms of life. If you haven't had any storms, they're coming. Praise God that he doesn't do it when you're real young in the ministry. I thought when you got older in the ministry it would be easy, people would respect you and so it would go and grow and all be glory. Ah, oh, no, no. It doesn't happen like that. The storms still come, you know. They're not just a little storm. They're like you have up in Queensland. What do you call those things? Cyclones. <laughs> they come into, the, into your life and ministry. Because the Lord knows you can stand it there. <laughs> you've, you've got your <laughs> ability to bend, <laughs> we might say. You've got the ability to know the scriptures and apply those. And, and the Lord keeps us growing, doesn't he? Right through life. A quenching smoke. Uh, a <clears throat> He would not quench a smoking flax. I have to get that one right. <laughs> Let's thirdly notice in verse 4. The servant's success overall. The Lord the servant. <clears throat> the Lord patiently, persistently and perseveringly does his work. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has said judgment in the earth, and the, the isle shall wait for his law. <laughs> he knows the end from the beginning. He knows his is the victory. So slowly grinds the wheels of his justice and purpose. We come in as a little speck of time in the thousands of years of human history. But the Lord's justice and judgment and plan, it just keeps on rolling on like the old steamroller. <laughs> just moves forward. Nothing's going to get in its way. The servant of Jehovah shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he hath set justice in the world. Till he hath set judgment in the world. Doesn't your heart cry out for judgment and justice as we hear of the courts of the world, of the courts of our country, making decisions that are contrary to truth and you know it's not right, you cry, your heart cries out for what? Justice. This is not right. It'll come right one day. Trust in the Lord. The servant of Jehovah will bring it to pass. He will do it. He said he will. He, has he done everything in the past that he said he would do? Exactly on time and exactly as he said. Will he do everything in the future as he said he will? Yes, he will. And judgment and justice will come. 
And what a wonderful world it will be when that takes place, as we spoke of a little last night. We see the servant's success overall. His plan will come to fulfilment. Romans 9.6 So then, it is not he that willeth, nor he that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Matthew 22.44 The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. How long could we sit there? As, as God we're talking about here, sitting there for 2,000 years from that point, just waiting for it to come to pass. What would we want to do? We want to do it now. What do you hear the demonstrators? They go, we want this, we want that, and we want it now. Isn't the cry of the generation of today? We want it now. In Colossians 2.15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And we know the context there, the Lord's victory at the cross. Spoiled principalities and powers. He's got the victory. He's won the victory already at the cross. We know it's going to happen. Oh, that the world would know and realise that they don't. Revelation 19.16 And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His success will come. He will not fail. He won't be discouraged till he has done it as he said he will do it. Set justice in the earth. And the isle shall wait for his law. The countries wait for his law. Praise God that our country and the basis of it and what do you call it, the constitution and things if you read it I pray we never have a republic because that, all they want to do is get their hands on that and change it because there's this basis on scripture that we have that our country based on some of it, not totally but based on that the isles wait for his law you think of the countries now that are in total turmoil and it seems country after country is happening to the aisles wait for his justice to come, for his will to be fulfilled, for his plan to be finished. They don't realise it, but he will bring it to pass. The servant's surety, fourthly, from God in verse 5, Thus saith God the Lord, he who created heavens, the, the heavens, <clears throat> and stretcheth them out, he who spread forth the earth, that, and that which cometh out of it, he who giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk in it, this is his, the surety of the servant from God. Promises are only as good as the one who makes them. And if he fails, the promises are null and void. But God has made the promise. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith God the Lord. He who created heavens. This is my surety. The servant said, trust in the God who sent me on this mission. <clears throat> Daniel 5.23 first and last of that verse reads but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and later in verse 23 and the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified in his hands our breath is in his hands our life is in his hands But probably never more so. Pastor Hine, he had a heart attack and he died 
in the ambulance. <laughs> and um, it was all of a sudden thing that surprised him that, that day. And mine was more a slow, steady thing where a valve from the, my young age had slowly stitched up. Mine wasn't a heart attack, so mine was a controlled thing. And so they had me there laying on the bench. It felt like wax, soft. <laughs> you know, this is where I'm going to glory from. <laughs> yeah, this is what you think. <laughs> I had another man that went through a similar operation on his heart, and he was in a hospital in Melbourne with his family, and he was looking out at a window. And he's about to go into surgery to have heart operation, open heart surgery. And he's laying there, and he sees a trolley go past with an orderly walking it down. And he's talking to his family, and then sees an orderly walking back with a body under a sheet. He says, I don't know. <laughs> that's where I'll be in a few minutes. But that's, you know, reality. It could be. He's, our hands, our, our breath is in his hands, is it not? Ronnie, I heard one preacher, this American preacher, way back when I was, before any missionaries come out, we were getting all these tapes and things from America. Were, were you in? No, that, you were here when they all started, we had missionaries. And um, he was preaching a sermon, and the end of it, he was doing the heartbeat. Going on the pulpit, and he was like, he went on and on with his appeal. I, I enjoyed it as a young person. This is really getting to people. <laughs> and he stopped. And he'd all said all the words just right. And, <laughs> one heartbeat away from eternity. Now you're a few because you've got the defibrillators you've got everywhere now. Trying to sell them to churches. Have they been on to you? <laughs> Just in case a public place. <laughs> Someone lays out on the floor. <laughs> off with his shirt. And then with a... <clears throat> heart, one breath, one heartbeat away from eternity. Have we been serving the Lord? The Lord, we're in his hands. And the, the servant of Jehovah realizes that he's got the surety of God behind him. We as his servants have the surety of God, don't we? The God of heaven, the Lord, who created these things. We're on his side. He's on our side, we could say. The servant, in verse 6, the servant's security in God is given there. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand. I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people. For a light to the nations. His security in God, the first part of that, that verse, <clears throat> is spoken of here. Called, held, kept, used. They're the words that are used in that verse there. I read Francis Ridley Havergale, the sweet poetess, whose lyrics have cheered so many weary pilgrims in the way to the celestial city found great comfort in these words in her last moments, verse 6 of Isaiah 42. On the last day of her life, she asked a friend to read to her Isaiah 42. When the friend reached these verses, or this verse, verse 6, Mrs. Havergale, Ms. Havergale stopped her saying, called, held, kept, used. She, then she whispered, well, I will just go home on that. And she did go home on that, making the promise her triumphal chariot in which she went through the gates of the pearly city to the city of gold. Called, held, 
and kept, as you've got these different words that are used here. Called to salvation, held in security, kept and sustained, used in service. And so the security of God, the, the, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, had absolute confidence, didn't he? And the prayer in the garden there, he, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. I am totally secure. Are you, are you totally confident, fully trusting the Lord Jesus? Absolutely sure. When you put on it, as it were, the deathbed, you put on the, on the slab. That's, what it, that's, what, that's the word I should have used in the hospital. The slab. You put on the slab. Are you absolutely sure? I stopped and I, I think I shared this at last NBF there. I said... Can I pray before we proceed with the operation? And the, I heard the surgeon, I knew his voice, he was a Jew. I already approached him about that. <laughs> Goldblatt. I said, you're Jewish? <laughs> he said, yes, I am, South African. And I heard his voice say, yes, you can pray. And I thank the Lord for the different things, their, their training, the techniques, the technology they have. I, I ended with the, the training but I thank the Lord for the trust I have and confidence in him for eternal life. It was more of a little sermon than a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> to the surgeons and to the, all the, I don't know how, they were buzzing everywhere. I remember when I got all my teeth out at 17 and they, not before they knocked me out, there was about six dentists looking at me. <laughs> I'm glad they're knocking me out. <laughs> and they ripped them all out. And they were 17 years old. And that's why the valve, bad teeth, bad valve, later on. And they say, they say that's what it would come from. But anyway, he went to Jula straight after, this, after the surgery and he said, the first thing he brought up, he said, well, he survived, but he prayed. And I thought, thought prayer was a peaceful thing. His blood pressure went from about 150 to 250 over 100 and something. And then when he stopped praying, it went right down again. <laughs> he said, I thought prayer was peaceful. And the first thing he talked about me was the prayer. And I've sent him some Israel, my glories, and I've sent him a Christmas card. He sent me a card. I don't hear of my survivors. So I said, okay, I'll do. <laughs> and sent a gospel message to him. Pray for him, Mr. Goldblatt, John Goldblatt, that he might get saved. But, <clears throat> you know, when you're facing God in whose hand, in whose breath your, whose hand your breath is, <laughs> in the servant of Jehovah, he, he, he's holding us, he's keeping us, he's called us. And the Lord recognised that, absolutely secure. The last point there in the verse 6 and 7, the servant's salvation to the nations. Because he did this, because he was the true servant leader, there we have a covenant to the people, he become a light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. First of all, a covenant to the people. And what covenant do we have? We have that mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, the new covenant, the covenant of blood, the covenant of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. We have absolute confidence in that the blood has cleansed us from our sin. Washed us in the blood. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb and I shall be whiter than snow. And we're just rushing through this. The light of the Gentiles, or to the Gentiles. Old Simeon's prophecy in Luke 2 verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles and a glory to the people of Israel. And uh, to unsaved people we say, Has the, do you see the light? Do you understand the gospel? 
the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is New Testament terminology that we have here in the Old Testament. <laughs> A light to the, to the nations. Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Uh, and we are told to be set on a hill and not to hide our light under a bushel. But he is a light to the nations. Would to God that the nations would see the light of the world, the Lord Jesus. God is light, is he not? And come to him, the light to the nations. This, this is the result of being the servant he was, that he could be the light to the nation. As we as servants of the Lord and and his children, as we bear the light, as we receive the light and bear the light and glow the light from us, we become more his servants as we ought to be. A light to the nations. To open blind eyes is the next one. Gospel preaching. <laughs> what a one. This is just a message in itself. Verse 6, the last part in verse 7. To open blind eyes. Second Corinthians 4, verse 3 through to about 6. If our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And this is a result of being the servant. He could offer this to us, the servant of Jehovah, to open blind eyes. Um, <clears throat> ye were once darkness, but now are ye what? Light in the Lord, said Paul in Ephesians 5 and verse 8. To open blind eyes if we are the true servants of the lord and we are servants to our family i think that's where it really needs to take place we'll be a light to them we'll be an example to them as leaders will be ones they look up to and ones that they come for advice we, we don't go to our children now you know they're the youngest is 27 now they go yeah, you must do this you must do that no let god work on them <laughs> let god work through them but if they want to know something, they, they know at any time they can phone us up. I had calls last night because my dad was, broke his neck just yesterday morning. I got a call at 6.30 that he'd broken his neck. He'd slipped over and hit a pole and broken C1 and C2. But they said if you didn't take him to hospital, he would have died last, the other night. And um, <clears throat> they rung us up and what should we do about Grandpa? Is there anything you can do from up here? No, he's in Alfred Hospital and they can do all they can. Be doing a phone call, hopefully, today down there. But it's, it's good to have children that just will come to you and ask for advice and will give it. And if they come back again, that means they like the first lot <laughs> of advice. But to the Lord... It's because of the Lord all these things. Because he, he was willing to be a servant and minister. Uh, covenant to the people, light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes and to bring out the prisoners. Wonderful gospel message. To bring out the prisoners. <laughs> Delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I think as Paul said it, didn't he? 1 Timothy 3, 7. Lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. Wonderful little illustration for a, a Sunday school picnic, the snare of the devil. I take my rabbit traps, keep a few, bought a, for the option, didn't give them all away. They're illegal, but I've got them for example only. <laughs> <laughs> and so I 
get digged a little hole and talking about it all the time and put the rabbit trap down there and cover it with a bit of paper. And I said, this is what I used to do when I was a kid, a teenager, and go and set the rabbit traps in the, in the tracks into the bush and, and then every morning go before school and find the rabbits and, and skin him and cut him and throw it away and, and take him up and sell him to the shop. It was all legal then. <laughs> and <coughs> a snare of that. And, and then I said, now, now you come up here, you get one of the little you know, rascals that is making most noise and come up and you, know, you, you pretend you're a rabbit and hop along, you know, jump, jump with your stick and snap. They, of course, even knowing it's going to happen, they, they sort of attend and bang, it grits, gets them and uh, caught. <laughs> I hear, listen, the devil has got snares everywhere for us to put our foot in. And they, they get the point. <laughs> they really get the point that they need to watch out. You know, there's all the things in life. And adults... Men, we can put our foot in it too. And we can become captive. We can become prisoners. But the Lord has delivered us from the prison house, hasn't he? <laughs> Praise be to his name. Second Timothy 2.25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose him, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And last of all, this servant of Jehovah, the all-sufficient servant in this, these verses here, those who, that sit in darkness out of the prison house. It's the last bit there in verse 7. Out of the prison house. Praise God we've been delivered out of the prison house. And then we can sing, verse 10, the song of the saved saints because of the ministry of the servant of Jehovah Sing unto the Lord a new song and praise, and, and his praises from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that sit in it, the isles and the inhabitants. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice and villages at Kedeh doth inhabit. Let the inhabitants of the rocks sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Hey, we've been delivered. We've been out of the, taken out of the prison. We, we now see the light. And we have wonderful privilege as Christians. Let us praise him for his servanthood to us. Let us take the tower, gird ourselves, go out and minister to our families. Go out and minister to the saints in the church. Though they put you down and they stand on your head and they, <laughs> they say things about you, keep on ministering to them. Life is short and it'll all be over anyway soon. And you'll hear what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just keep doing it. Don't quit as a servant. Thank you.